reading will be from Mark 10, chapter 35 and 45, as one of our pastors, Eric Stites, preaches this morning. Mark 10. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. Jesus said to them, You do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left hand is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the 10 heard it, they begin to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. Uh, my name, uh, as Damien said, is Eric Stites, and I am one of the pastors um, here at New City. Um, and I'm grateful um, that we are still able to meet, uh, although under some unique uh, circumstances. Uh, like many of you, um, we as a family are trying to figure out um, what does life look like uh, right now uh, with this new um, normal. Uh, I have a family of six, um, and so we have a two-month-old baby who's crying uh, right now. We have a two-year-old who's trying to figure life out. Um, we're doing laundry. We have two older kids who now all of a sudden are being homeschooled, um, and uh, we're, we're cooking food. We're cleaning up, and um, so we're trying to figure this out. So like any good family... Um, we're going to go at this American Ninja Warrior style. Um, by the time uh, this service rolls out, it's quite possible um, that my entire backyard is going to become an obstacle course, all right, like American Ninja Warrior. Um, and maybe with a few uh, dude perfect trick shots um, thrown uh, in there for good measure. So the playground um, is going to be the ropes course. Um, we've got a two by four with a big rock in the middle, and that's going to be like the seesaw that you run over. Um, all of this uh, out of the imagination uh, of my uh, two oldest boys. And, and maybe, just maybe, uh, the uh, second story uh, window uh, in my bedroom is going to be opened. Um, and we're going to throw some shots out of that uh, second story window down to the basketball hoop um, below. So what's this got to do with Mark 10? Well, um, I realize um, this week, uh, being with my kids and with our family, I realize um, how much my kids are like the disciples. Um, greatness is something uh, they want, that they aspire uh, for. And as a matter of fact, it's probably something they fight about the most, whether it's riding bikes in the backyard and trying to be the first uh, to finish, whether it's scoring the most points, um, whatever it is. Striving to be great, I believe, is common to all of us. 
Uh, you think about um, young girls uh, donning princess um, outfits um, to imagine one day being the most beautiful bride uh, uh, they can be. Um, moms um, aspiring uh, to be the greatest mom, right? So we read blogs, we write blogs, we homeschool our kids, we uh, try to make Pinterest-worthy meals um, all the while trying to work out hard and keep up this body image that's uh, not even possible, um, right? We, we admire greatness. We, we admire CEOs uh, who run huge businesses, making tons of money and uh, employing hundreds, if not thousands, of people. Uh, we admire great musicians who are able to draw in uh, thousands to a stadium to, to listen uh, to them. My, myself, um, I, uh, I, I desire significance. I desire um, greatness. I desire uh, at the end of my life to look back um, and say, wow, uh, that was a life well lived. See, desiring greatness, it's, it's a part of who we are. Um, and this really should come at no surprise to us, I don't think, because um, we are made in the image of greatness. We're made uh, in the very image of God. And so desiring greatness uh, in this passage, Jesus uh, actually affirms it. And we, we see that when he says, whoever would be great among you. He's, he's affirming it's not our greatness and our desire for it that's the problem. It's that we don't know what real greatness is. And so Jesus tells us right here, he throws it out there. He says, listen, whoever would be great among you, you must be the servant. Whoever would be first among you must be slave of all, must be a bondservant to all. And so in one, one verse, Jesus undoes all our ideas about greatness. It's not about getting all the glory. It's not about having all the power. It's not about having as many people as possible serve you. No, greatness is quite the opposite. It's suffering and service, and it's measured by how many people you serve, not by how many people serve you. And so the disciples, they desired um, greatness. And so James and John, um, they come up to Jesus, um, and they ask him this pretty bold question. Hey, Jesus, will you give us whatever we ask? And Jesus, I'm not sure if he was just humoring them, but he, he responds, well, what do you want? And their response is, will you give us the highest seats of glory and honor? the one at the right hand and the left hand of, of you and your throne. And so apparently they hadn't learned the lesson <laughs> that just a chapter before um, we hear about, as the, the disciples are walking along the way, we hear this story of them arguing about who is the greatest. And uh, Jesus, knowing what's going on, sits them down and says, let me teach you about greatness. And he teaches them almost an identical lesson to the one uh, he teaches them right now. Well, we're just like the disciples. Um, we, we rarely have it all figured out, though we often think we do, um, but uh, we need to be taught again and again. And so uh, this morning, as we continue on in our sermon series on everyday discipleship, um, I want us to join the disciples um, in following Jesus on first, a path of service, and second, as they learn from the pattern of ransom. So let's dive in. First, um, the path uh, of service. In verse 38, Jesus says to James and John, you don't know what you're asking for in response um, to, their, to, to their question. In other words, Jesus is saying, you think greatness is to sit with me um, in the places of high honor, but I'm going to tell you and I'm going to show you what greatness actually looks like. And so he goes on and he, and he asks them a question back. Are you able uh, to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? So let's just stop for a minute and, 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 and talk about what, what, is, what is he talking about? What is this cup and what is this baptism? So the cup, 
First, it's a, it's a symbol of, of God's um, wrath for sin. Imagine all of that uh, wrath being poured uh, into one cup. Um, and, and so we're reminded in this moment that God really is holy. And there really is a consequence um, for our sin. And this is good um, because it's a part of God's justice. We all want this. We want God to be a good God um, who is just uh, and who punishes uh, sin. And so uh, Jesus is letting us know, listen, you've all earned this cup um, of God's wrath. And it will utterly destroy us. But Jesus says, that's the cup I came to drink. And then he keeps going and he goes on to baptism. And for us, we've, we've got to kind of unlearn a little bit for a second. These aren't the, the cute baptisms that we see uh, in our congregation where we are baptizing children. The, the, the image that should actually come to our mind is uh, Noah and the flood. And imagining one family from the entire earth uh, surviving and making it through um, while the rest of the world is wiped out. Think Moses. And the people of Israel with their back um, against the Red Sea with Pharaoh's army uh, charging uh, in at them. Uh, and all of a sudden uh, behind them the Red Sea opens up and the people of God uh, walk through uh, while the armies of uh, Pharaoh uh, are lost in the flood. That's the type of baptism um, that Jesus is wanting us uh, to imagine here. Because baptism is going through a life-threatening ordeal but with the hope of life on the other side. And so it's, it's going under the waters, um, but emerging with life. And so Jesus is letting the disciples know, listen, I came to drink that cup um, of God's wrath, and I came to go through that baptism of death on the cross. But, it, the, but with that baptism of death, there's the hope of resurrection. Now, going back to the disciples, they respond, and their response to, are you able to do these things, is actually startling and almost laughable when they say, yeah, we can do that. <laughs> we are able. <laughs> and so you can imagine uh, it, uh, just the, the arrogant, prideful uh, response, or maybe they just didn't know. Maybe it was just ignorance. But Jesus doesn't miss a beat. <laughs> and he comes right back and says, well, you know what? The cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or my left hand, that's not mine um, to grant. And so we kind of wish the disciples, man, I wish you would have just closed your mouth. <laughs> um, how are we supposed to drink uh, of this cup uh, and be baptized like Jesus? Well, in short, Jesus is letting us know that to follow him means that we will suffer. But in following him, this isn't a, a type of suffering just for suffering's sake. Um, this is a type of redemptive suffering. It's a suffering um, for the sake of Jesus' glory. And so that's why we can't take um, the first part of this passage and disconnect it from the end um, of the passage. We, we won't understand what it is to make ourselves um, the bondservant of all, the slave of all, um, until we understand uh, the call and accept that call in our life uh, to suffer redemptively like Jesus has asked us to. You see, the path of service um, is rooted in this willingness to suffer. Uh, my friend Mo Leverett says this well, he says, one of the greatest mistakes and sins uh, of the evangelical church in America is that we have abandoned the pattern of the cross. We have accepted a different form of religion um, than that which Christ himself lived out. We have accepted a religion where there's no suffering. We, have, uh, we were called, uh, just as Christ did, to enter into the sufferings of others, to suffer so that they might find uh, redemption, suffer with them, oftentimes even for them, um, so that they might find healing. 
You see, the path of service isn't accidental. <laughs> you don't just wander onto this path. It's intentional. Um, it takes intention to, to move towards suffering, especially when everyone else is running away. Um, it takes intention to take the power that we have and give it away, give it up. It takes intention to not to dominate and control others, but to, to willingly uh, give ourselves up. Well, what does that look like? Um, it, it looks all kinds of ways. Uh, some of them are ordinary. Some of them are a bit more um, extraordinary. But um, what it is is intentional, um, redemptive suffering. So imagine um, mothers. Uh, it's this constant pouring out of yourself, um, putting your needs second to the needs of your children, especially right now. Um, as uh, we're in this time where we're on lockdown and we can't leave the house and everything just feels like it's sort of crowding in um, on us, uh, what does it look like to suffer for our kids? Fathers, um, it's coming home uh, from work and not indulging um, in yourself, uh, right, but, but denying yourself um, in order to see, actually see your wife and, and see uh, uh, and serve her and your kids um, to lead your family uh, even though um, you are exhausted uh, from your day at work. Uh, redemptive suffering is choosing in any relationship, uh, your marriage uh, with your kids, um, a relationship with a, a believer, uh, maybe a relationship with a, an unbeliever, that uh, you don't have to win the fight, even if you're right. Uh, redemptive suffering is choosing to absorb someone else's sin, um, to feel the pain of it, and to then move towards and forgive them, even though they don't deserve it. Uh, Martin Luther King would say this was the theology of the civil rights movement, uh, was redemptive uh, suffering, that, uh, we, that, that they were fighting evil, um, not even the people who were perpetrating that evil, um, by suffering redemptively. Redemptive suffering looks like choosing to lose what you could have, uh, to, 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 to lose what, uh, uh, moving towards and, and getting more um, in order that you might give yourself away, give the things you have away in service. Uh, it's choosing downward mobility instead of upward uh, mobility. It's uh, sacrificing an afternoon of work uh, to come tutor a kid at the after-school program. It's sacrificing a Tuesday night to be a coach um, at Jobs Partnership. Um, it's to find out from your neighbors in the midst of corona crazy um, what they need during this time where they're staying at home and, and don't have what they need. And maybe it's even giving them your last roll of toilet paper. Um, it's to share in the sufferings of others until their tears become your tears. Um, it's, it's to not write off um, racial tensions, um, but it's actually to move towards them. It's choosing to listen to someone who doesn't look like you and understanding where um, they are and the pain um, that they feel. Redemptive suffering may look like just reorienting your whole life um, to live, uh, work, and play in a place where others have, have left. Others don't desire um, to go. Redemptive suffering might look like Dr. Rachel Patzer. Um, there's a story about her right now, and her husband is a, is a, a doctor as well in the ER. Um, and she is on maternity leave with their three-week-old three newborn baby, and they have two other kids. And her husband has been treating coronavirus uh, patients uh, this whole time. And in order to protect his family and his newborn baby, he has chosen to quarantine himself um, in their garage apartment. And she says, it pains me to wonder how many weeks will go by um, that he won't get to hold our new baby um, or to see our older kids. She says, this is one example of the sacrifice healthcare workers are making for our communities. 
And I would say we have healthcare workers right in our own congregation um, that are making these types uh, of sacrifices right now. And I would say, first, thank you. Second, we have so much uh, to learn from you. So listen, I don't know exactly what the path of sacrifice uh, looks like for you. Um, I can't name every single possibility, but I would encourage you this week to think through uh, what would that look like uh, for for me? What would that look like for uh, my family? But as we walk down this path, the question we need to ask is, why would anyone choose to do this? Why would anyone choose to suffer redemptively? And how do we even have the power to do that? And so second, this morning, um, we need to talk about the pattern of ransom. The pattern of ransom. Verse 45 uh, of chapter 10 in Mark's gospel is the peak uh, of the whole book. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus uh, lets us know, listen, I'm the king, uh, but I'm not like all the other kings. Um, They sit on their thrones so they can be served uh, by everyone else. Um, They come as kings to defeat and control um, everyone else around them so that they might be the greatest. But Jesus says, my greatness is defined not by those things, but by my service and by my suffering. And so the highest point of service, uh, as we know, is Jesus giving his life as a ransom for many. And ransom, that word is, is a powerful word, and uh, Tim Keller actually offers some great insight um, as to why Jesus would even choose that word uh, right here. You see, ransom implies that all of us um, are in bondage. Um, you only uh, need a ransom if you're bound up. Um, we're, we're all bound by sin. We're destined to drink that same cup that Jesus um, talked about. And so we can uh, look to the things that control us in our lives uh, to see where is that bondage still at place. So just like the disciples, um, we're bound up in our our self-centeredness. Ben mentioned it last week, the me monster. Um, It's what the disciples uh, struggled with. It's what we uh, struggle uh, with. Um, We're controlled by the desire for power. And when we get just a little taste of it, we want uh, more. We're um, controlled by uh, acceptance and the desire for it. And so we'll let everyone else um, determine what our worth is. And we're controlled by money. And so we sacrifice everything um, in order to get more of it. And so Jesus uh, is saying, listen, you are in bondage and you need freedom. And so second, ransom implies um, that uh, there's a price to pay for our freedom. You see, Jesus uh, doesn't just break into the jail and rip the doors uh, off the jail cell and, and, and call us free. No, sin actually has to be paid for with a price. And so we find out here that he gave his life um, as a ransom, his whole life, not a sum of money, but real, a real body with real blood being sacrificed. And so in that, um, this is where uh, the beginning of the passage is tied uh, to this last part when he says, I I have come to drink that cup, and I've come to go through that baptism. This is what he's talking about, the ransom that he uh, paid, the substitute uh, sacrifice that he is um, for us. And finally, ransom implies that there is now a new relationship between Jesus, the one um, who pays the price for us, and us, the ones who need the ransom. The Bible calls it clear, we are not our own, but we are bought with a price. And we have been enlisted uh, into grateful, um, willing service of Jesus, our King, because uh, service of Jesus is is not um, a a begrudging service, um, but as the Book of Common Prayer says, it's a uh, serving Christ is actually perfect freedom. 
Because uh, we would think uh, that freedom means I get to go do whatever I want, but all we've done is substitute one form of bondage for another. And Jesus says, no, serving me is perfect uh, freedom. So you see, we don't walk down this path uh, of service in order to earn God's ransom for us. No, Um, that ransom has already been paid. And so now we get to live um, in grateful response um, to what has been done for us. We get to walk down that path uh, of service. So it's a good moment to ask ourselves, um, where are we wanting Jesus to be Savior, um, but not to be Lord and King? Um, Because uh, in this uh, passage, and in verse 45, he brings those two perfectly together. I'm the Son of Man. I'm the King. um, But I am the Savior who has ransomed you. And so uh, it's why Jesus describes greatness, um, not as having everything, not as having all the power, getting more people to serve you, but as being a bondservant to everyone. um, Because Jesus himself uh, enlists us to be a joy-filled bondservant to him. And so the writer of Hebrews uh, says that it was the joy that was set before Jesus um, that he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sitting down at the right hand of the Father. And because of that, Paul is able to say, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And then catch this, the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Why? Why would we uh, walk down this path of service? Um, Uh, The reason is because uh, it's on this path that Jesus himself is walking. So the promise is we get to be with Jesus um, as we walk down this path, as we uh, suffer redemptively and serve um, uh, him and his people. Pastor Yi uh, was a pastor of a church in China called Early Rain Covenant Church. Um, He was sentenced uh, recently to nine years in prison for preaching the gospel Uh, And the reason, um, his charge was inciting to subvert state power. And so in the middle of the night, um, uh, the police come and they uh, arrest uh, Pastor Yi, uh, rip him away from his home, from his family, uh, from his kids, and uh, put him in prison. Um, And in response, uh, uh, Pastor Yi said many things, but one of them caught my uh, attention. He says this, I firmly believed that Christ has called me to carry out this faithful disobedience through what? a life of service under this regime that opposes the gospel and persecutes the church. Why would anyone do this? Why would we do this? Why would we uh, choose to walk down a path uh, of service where there is redemptive suffering? It's because we have fellowship with Jesus um, in his sufferings. Because our desire for greatness uh, is defined by our suffering and service. And so Jesus has freed us. He's paid the the ransom so that we uh, might serve him with joy. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, uh, will you um, meet us now? Jesus, we thank you for the ransom that has been paid for us, that you bore our griefs, that you were stricken by God um, in order that our uh, penalty for sin might be paid. But now, Jesus, we have the opportunity to walk with you down um, the path uh, of service. Um, where greatness is not defined uh, by how many people serve us and how much power we have, um, but it's defined by uh, our suffering and by how many people we get to serve. And so right now, even in the midst of the world that we live in, where there's so much uh, up in the air and so much chaos, would you teach us um, how to serve those uh, around us and and how to be the people and the church uh, of God uh, to this world? It's in your name we pray. Amen.